Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Lexi and Jordan are hanging out here with you today. How are you, Jordan? Doing good. How are you? Good. I wish I could see you. I know I had that dream about you a few weeks ago, but I know. I wish I could hang out. I really <laughs> wish I had flu powder. That would be awesome. <laughs> that was oh like God. a dream about me, guys, that I had <laughs> flu powder and that I could travel, but I wasn't wanting to hang out with her. It was really weird. It's just a pregnancy dream. You know those weird pregnancy uh, dreams. Yeah. I don't even know. Yes. <laughs> You know what? I I honestly don't really like dreaming very much because it kind of weirds me out. Like it me will affect neither. my mood. It will affect my mood for the. I know, and I don't like it. <laughs> so true. It's so um, true. But I yeah, I wish really badly that I did have flu powder because then I would podcast with you live and it would be so fun. Maybe it's a good thing. There's been certain friends in my life that either have had to move or that they've just, for the most of our friendship, has been far away. I'm like. Lord, you know why. Maybe yeah. I wouldn't get anything done but sitting and hanging out all the maybe, time. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'd really annoy our husbands with the time. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, well. So, hey, this is side note, but hasn't it been really fun yeah. reading Ezra and Nehemiah this week? Okay, so yes, because I'm also, re- well, obviously, I'm trying to do all the Bible reading challenge with Ari, but it has been definitely really fun. Oh, man. With Ari. Yeah. It's cool because we just went through that story in Ransom's curriculum this past, okay. maybe like two weeks ago now, and Jared is preaching through Nehemiah right now. So I feel like I'm just getting Nehemiah oh. at all angles, and it has been so fun because I've, I listened to the um, Vibrating Challenge podcast that Doug Wilson just recorded um, with whoever is the host of that. I don't know who that is, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just talked about Nehemiah and then I read, um, a bit of a commentary on it. So I feel like I'm just like getting so many things that I've never got out of Nehemiah before because I'm hearing it from so many different angles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, those are two really good books. I always forget just how good they are on helping like know how to think about the enemy and rebuilding culture. And yeah. Uh, Nehemiah is just such a cool character. I loved, uh, I think it was yesterday's reading whenever, um, Sanballat and Tobias came and they had like, it made me think of what's going on with the pastor in Canada, but they came oh, and they had this like political scheme against Nehemiah and they're like, you know, we're going to tell the king this about you and look out <laughs> yes. because he's going to get ticked off. And Nehemiah just like, praise God, strengthen my hands. It's like, he doesn't even care. He's just like, God, make my hands stronger for the work that you have in front of me. Um, well, he doesn't get, I it, love that. Yeah. He's not fearful. He's not, um, he's, he doesn't change his plan whatsoever. Just God strengthen my nope. hands. I got stuff to do here. Make my hands stronger for what you have for me to do. It was such a good reminder to like not become sinfully anxious by what the enemy is trying to taunt you with yes. and keep working, like yes. get busy about the work you have to do and don't fall into the dumpster again. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Stuff to do here. I love and too, I don't know. I thought it was kind of helpful to see his, like, he didn't necessarily engage them too much. I think so much of like a modern Christian response to that would have been like, like explain yourself, qualify right. yourself. He was just like, no, I, I've got work to do. I'm not even paying attention to this. Lord, you, you, you deal with this basically. Yeah. That was so refreshing. <laughs> yeah. I also have, loved, um, 
I think it was today's reading that Ezra, um, he's reading the law and, uh, I, I heard, I think it was Toby Sumner say this, and then it was in the commentary I read too. It was like, okay, Josiah, whenever he found the law, it brought great reformation in that mm. time. And then Martin Luther, when he found the Bible and the great reformation that happened at that point. And then also this example in Nehemiah. And then how that's just what I'm praying for, like our, yes. our time right now, that all of the craziness that has happened has forced us to the word to be like, mm-hmm. what does God actually say about this? You know? Yes. Even, even Christian culture is throwing so many question marks at, up in the oh air. My. And it's yeah. like, okay, we have to get to the word. We have to dive into the word. What does God actually say? And then believe that. And I'm just praying that it brings a great revival as well yeah. now. So that's, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I've been loving the Psalms just about like, going to God when your enemies are, mm-hmm. you know, pursuing you. And it's just been, yeah, the last several days, this week's readings have been really good. You're right. Good fun. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, today we are kind of just talking some more about being a woman. <laughs> but, we'll around here. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a kind of a lengthy passage from J.R. Miller's book on homemaking that we recently talked about, which by the way, don't let the title deceive you. It's about way more than homemaking. Okay. So pick it up. But, um, I want to read this and then we're just going to kind of discuss the two things that he contrasts. He says, what is the true ideal of a godly wife? It is not something lifted above the common experiences of life, not an ethereal angel feeding on ambrosia and moving in the realms of imagination. In some European cities, they sell to the tourists models of their cathedrals made of alabaster, whiter than snow. But so delicate are these alabaster shrines that they must be kept under glass covers or they will be soiled by the dust. And so frail that they must be sheltered from every crude touch, lest their lovely columns may be shattered. They are very graceful and beautiful, but they serve no lofty purpose. No worshipers can enter their doors. No melody rises to heaven from their aisles. So there are ideals of womanhood, which are very lovely, full of graceful charms, pleasing, attractive, but which are too delicate and frail for this wearisome, storm-swept world of ours. Such ideals the poets and novelists sometimes give us. They appear well to the eye as they are portrayed to us on the brilliant page, but of what use would they be in the life which the real woman of our day has to live? So like when I read that and sent that to you, Jordan, I immediately thought of like a frail woman versus a faithful woman. Yeah. Um, and I think really, so, you know, when we talk about like Victorian women or the vintage housewives or whatever, I do think there's a, a right attraction to feminine beauty that they still held to that today we don't necessarily hold to anymore. But I think like that frailty in a way is kind of what we need to reject when we're looking in the past at these ideals of womanhood, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't really move us into the day to day toilsome work of that comes with being a woman. Cause there is work with it, you know? Yeah. Um, this, that quote made me think of first Timothy two, nine and 10, Um, which is likewise also that women should adorn themselves in a respectable manner with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair Mm. and gold, 
um, pearls, costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Yes, yeah. So are we adorning ourselves with the things of this world that we would attribute to success? Or are we actually having calloused hands and tired backs from the good works that God is actually giving? Which I feel like this kind of goes along with um, that question that we got this week. We can talk about that. I'm going to pull it back up though. Yeah. So someone asked us this week, um, you can read it when you get pulled up, but it was basically along the lines of like the push towards women to be strictly theological. Like we, we need to be theologians. We need to be theologians, which there's nothing wrong with studying theology. But my thought on it was our, our studying theology should push us towards good work, should push it push yeah. towards domesticity. It should yeah. stay in a frail realm um, of the ideal. It should be actually making us strong to do things that God wants us to do. Well, I think when I read that question too, it made me wonder like what that kind of a Christian worldview, the presupposition behind it is kind of a Gnostic one. Mm-hmm. where you believe when you're studying theology, it doesn't actually have anything to do with your hands uh-huh. or your dishwasher or your mm-hmm. garden or your cubicle at work. Like yeah. there's yeah. this theological pursuit over here and then there's real life over here. Right. And I think part of why we're even further scared to push that into roles of like femininity and masculinity and what that should look like is because now we're scared to engender any sort of sin at all. Like. <laughs> Don't tell me women shouldn't gossip. Men gossip too. But women also have very specific struggles Mm -hmm. and scripture addresses those specific things. So I guess to answer the question, like Gnosticism, there's no way, there's no way you can actually study and educate yourself (laughs) rightly in theology without it leading to domesticity as a woman. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also we, our minds have been so indoctrinated by what is success, what is achievement, what is accomplishment um, for, for a woman that we, we look at it differently than what are those things for a Christian woman, for a Christian woman, those things are a lot different. I see what you mean. Yeah. For, to have those things, it means obeying what God tells us to do, which sometimes means a lot of hard work and maybe I don't know, maybe not the kind of fruit that you thought that it would be, um, yeah. but just trusting God with the fruit and, and knowing that like our obedience is our success in this life. Like our being obedient mm-hmm. to God, doing what he wants us to do. That is our success. That is our crowning glory. It's not, it's not, um, you know, a plaque on our wall or so much money in the bank or whatever it may be. Um, it's, that is our achievement, being obedient, doing it cheerfully, desiring to obey God. Yeah. Oh, this whole idea. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like it's the difference between seeing Titus two and understanding, okay, I'm supposed to teach you to be domestic. And then the difference is actually teaching someone how to be domestic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like taking it that one step practically further into this is what it looks like to obey. Let me show you what it looks like. Let me show you what it smells like. Let me show you what it feels like. Um, whenever we actually are doing these obedient thing, obedient works towards the Lord. So. Yeah. And I think for most of us, most Christians nowadays, 
we're kind of a generation or two removed from historic practices of Christianity. So yeah, sure. Maybe our great grandmother didn't need to know that. Maybe she should have been picking up her scripture a little more and putting down the bread basket. But for us today, we like, could you imagine someone telling your husband who refuses to get a job? Hey, you need to be a provider. What does that even mean? What if he didn't have a dad? to model what a provider looks like. What if he literally, and I'm being serious. What if he literally doesn't know how to follow up to get an interview? Right. These are the very real practical questions Mm -hmm. that we are just, and my husband talks about this all the time is we are the most fatherless generation probably in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. So we need to realize as leaders in the church, if you're a pastor's wife or a pastor, or even if you're just you know, in your friends group, we need to realize there is so much discipleship that has to be recovered because of that, because we don't have, we're fatherless, yes. yeah. but we aren't really fatherless, you know? Right. <laughs> right. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. The way that God is ministering to the, our fatherless generation is by Christian men, discipling Correct. other Christian man, men Correct. practically on what it means to be a man. And the same Correct. with women. Like we, yes. my generation now, um, we have a lot of women who have completely neglected what it means to be a faithful biblical woman. So we need to be training our daughters and the young women around us that um, maybe don't have moms that are modeling that or maybe Mm -hmm. haven't had or whatever, whatever um, that what it means to be a faithful biblical woman practically and Mm -hmm. and not be afraid to go down that route of like, okay, this is what it looks like to be faithful and not frail in our season of life. Um, but yeah, it, it just makes me think of like that, um, adorning, not being merely external. So like kind of putting away, (laughs) putting away some of the things that are the self-indulgent things of our culture Yes, and uh, and taking up, uh, self-sacrificing, loving, considering others more significant and obeying. Yeah. Not being like, don't be high maintenance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is really stupid, but man, I've been thinking so much lately. Like Daphne's really into painting her nails right now. (laughs) And I just wish I had prettier, more feminine nails, but I don't because I garden. (laughs) Okay. And I do dishes by hand a lot, but it's one of those things that it's like, I could be so fussy about this where I just feel horrible about myself as a woman because I don't get to go do this one thing I want to do. Or I can be like, you know what, Lauren, I'm really grateful that you have given me so much work to do that I have this little piece of land I can cultivate if I want and that I can provide food for my family. I'm not going to faint. I'm going to be faithful with what I have before me. Yes. That's so good. Just this morning I was doing a lot. We had a big to-do list for outside spring stuff and um, Jared was occupied. One of his things tasks that he wanted to get done was taking longer than what it ought to. So I was just working down the list and starting to get a little grumbly in my head. Like, I wish that we were working on this together and not me by myself doing all this. Not that he wasn't working, but his task was just taking longer. So some of the littler things I was going through and then God convicted me and I thought, God, thank you that you have made me able-bodied that I can work till I sweat. Thank you. So it's like, we can either be real fussy and grumpy about the work that we have to do, or we can be grateful that God gave us work to do, gave us bodies that are able to do it and want to do that faithfully and without sin in our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I even think of Penelope in um, the Odyssey, 
like she was, you know, essentially the equivalent of a queen in the land. And she wasn't just sitting on her throne all day crying for her husband to come home. She was literally putting her hand to the work Mm -hmm. before her and remaining faithful to him when she had suitors under her roof who were waiting. The very second she was willing to marry him, they were going to come in and sweep all of her husband's stuff away. And yet there she was. Like Odysseus was off being his rotten self. (laughs) But, But she was remaining faithful to her husband and to the work under his roof that he had provided for her, you know? And it, I, it, it also made me think of, I think it's in Proverbs 31 about faithful, the husband is able to trust in the heart of his wife. I think that's in Proverbs. Um, and just like all of the comments, we've referenced this before, but all the comments in, in um, Radiant about how the husbands knew they could entrust the household work to the wife. Mm-hmm. She wasn't sitting on Netflix all day. She yeah. wasn't out of the mall all day. She wasn't even at the park all day. I'm sorry, but that can be used as an out very often too. She was home and she was faithful and she was able to steward the work there well. And they could trust in her. It's just such a beautiful, a weighty, but a beautiful work that God has given yeah. us. And sometimes I think that avoidance of things is the heart of it is fear. Like, fear that we won't be able to or fear that we will fail or fear that something bad will happen if we do this thing or whatever it may be. But um, I think just trusting in the Lord, like knowing that he's our hope, he is our provision yes. to, um, to be able to learn and grow and do and strengthen your arms and do the things that God's called you to do, knowing that God is with you. Like don't avoid, don't avoid the hard thing thinking that yeah. you don't have enough support. Like you have God, God will help you. God will lead you. He will provide if it's help he will provide the help if yeah. it's knowledge god will give you wisdom um so i think just like knowing that our hope is in the lord it's not in external things that can quickly fade yeah i have been really really challenged by this you know and just you know i'm tempted to be fearful i've never had a baby so close together as i'm about to have and i've never had such little sleep in a pregnancy before mm-hmm. And I've been really just taking hold of the promises that promise God actually is your strength, like to get through the day. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you're running a marathon all day, which is what being pregnant feels like, especially when you have other kids, he is your strength. Like he, Mm -hmm. not only is he your strength, but he's already like, he decided you're going to be pregnant. So he has to get you through this. That's what I've been saying to him is like, Lord, you're the one who did this. You have to see me through it now. <laughs> like, you're not getting off the hook on this one. Yeah. And I think that's how he wants us to go to him in our moments of don't faint. Go to the Lord in faith and ask him for help. Mm-hmm. We just forget. I think I love Samuel Rutherford's letters of just like, they challenged me so much because I just read The Loveliness of Christ in January. And they, cha- they made me realize like, you haven't even begun to plumb the depths of Christ's goodness, Lexi, because you don't go to him. You don't go and ask. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this came to mind. I remember hearing Indy Wilson talk about um, like a refusal to panic, faith being a refusal. To oh, panic. yes. And, yes. And um, I think a lot of times we allow ourselves to panic thinking like, oh my gosh, God's not going to be with me. He's not going to get me through this. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't even allow yourself to panic. Don't allow yourself the luxury of panicking about this thing. Like go to the Lord, refuse to panic, go to the Lord. 
and trust him and know that he is with you. Yeah. Uh, wasn't it, I think it was that same conversation where he was talking about like, if you've fallen off the bowl. Yes. You, yeah. Like that. Panicking is you you've know. already th- fallen off. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's good. Well, there you go, guys. There you go. I hope that was woven together coherently <laughs> or somewhat. Hopefully it edified you in some way. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye.